You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Oh, I'm starting. <laughs> yep. Yeah, sure. You sure are. Hello, Jill. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 106 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Presented by Overdrive, this is Jill. Hi, Jill. Hi. How you doing? Clearly not paying attention. Uh, It's a a sleepy day. It's a sleepy day. Yeah, we've, it's okay. We've done, actually, over the last 10 days, so many interviews. So, getting a little loopy. Yes. Um, Today's interview is actually a part of our Together We Read program, which I'll explain in just a moment. Uh, The interview is with Leslie Crew, and the book we talk mostly about is her book, Amazing Grace. Uh, Leslie lives in Nova Scotia, and all of her books are based in this small town that she lives called Cape Brenton. It's actually technically, I believe, an island. Okay. Um, I just wanted to give people a reference that because I realized she talks about Cape Breton a lot in the interview, but uh, I never had her say, like, it's in Nova Scotia, but uh, I had never really heard of the place that she's from so i looked it up and then i fell in love with everything with how she was talking about it just all the wildlife and everything Mm -hmm. it seems like it'd be a really wonderful place to visit yeah um and she was joking that all of a lot of her readers are from her area because they all love the books that she writes because you know it's from their area and and then other people will read it and be like is that really what your home is all is like and she's like yeah you should come visit so I kind of fell in love with it but anyway uh it's a part of our together we read program which if people are familiar with big library read uh we have started doing you know big library read is our global digital book club where you just finish it up um art of art of the pie was our most recent one everyone around the world who has a library account with a an overdrive account and library card they can use these they can read these books words are hard they can read these books together all at the same time we have a book club and everything and a discussion board well we're doing that on a national level now as well so it's called together we read uh we're just starting i believe this is our second one that we're doing but this one's for canada um so if you are a canadian listener and you have a library card which if you're listening to our podcast guessing you have a library card (laughs) um if you go to your library's Overdrive website anytime from April 13th through April 27th, uh, you can borrow Amazing Grace by Leslie Crew, and then join the discussion board at togetherweread.com. Uh, we're also going to be doing another one of these for our Australia and New Zealand library users as well as our library users in the UK. Yep. Um, so basically what we wanted to do, uh, digital book clubs are really exploding all over the world um new york city is doing a big one right now london has their london city read going on all throughout april so um, in addition to big library read we wanted to give people an opportunity to kind of explore books that are you know based in their location so again this one is a canadian author for our canadian readers the uk one will uh, have a book by a uk author which i'm really excited about as well 
So yeah, if you go to togetherweread.com, you can get more information about it, and that's why we interviewed Leslie. Um, yeah, I think that's everything about Together We Read. That, I think so. Right? Did I get yeah, all that? I think you got it all. Okay. Um, and if you aren't located in Canada, still take a listen because her her books are really, sound really interesting, and she's just she was a really enjoyable person to chat with. And it's not that her books are just available in Canada. They're right. available for all of our libraries to purchase. And um, she's very, she's pretty popular. So her books are all over the place. So, yeah. Um, if people want to get a hold of us, how can they do that? They can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com or find us on Twitter at probooknerds. Yes, they can. Um, okay. Uh, anything else? Anything, anything you want to chat about that I... No. I have? Okay. I'm good. Cool. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoy this interview with Leslie Crew on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Adam from Team Overdrive, and today I'm joined by Leslie Crew, the author of several novels, including Chloe Sparrow, Kin, and Relative Happiness, which was adapted into a feature film. Her book, Amazing Grace, was selected by our Canadian readers to be the Together We Read National Book Club selection through Overdrive. From April 13th through the 27th, Amazing Grace will be available at all participating Canadian libraries' Overdrive website to borrow for all readers... And again, that's through April 13th through the 27th. So, Leslie, first off, congratulations on being selected, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks very much. It's an honor. (laughs) (laughs) So would you mind starting off our listeners by giving us just an introduction to the book Amazing Grace, in case they're not familiar? Well, Amazing Grace, um, the character of Grace came to me as a nine-year-old, and uh, I was trying to figure out how I was going to um, introduce her. Um, So what I did was I introduced her to the readers as a 60-year-old, and then we're going to go back in time, and she's going to tell her story. She's from uh, Cape Breton, um, and she's been estranged from her son, and when the when the novel opens, uh, her son is having problems with his daughter, and he calls his mother, and she's wondering why all of a sudden he's getting back in touch with her. So through her attempts to help her granddaughter, she ends up telling the granddaughter about her story. And uh, so we just kind of go from there. We'll go for flash, uh, flashbacks of her life um, kind of throughout the book. Um, so that's how you're introduced to her. Yeah. And um, as you mentioned, you, you do a, a really wonderful job of, of kind of jumping back and forth from the past to the present. And you also do the same thing with jumping from moments of, um, you know, pretty extreme sadness to humor and joy and, and kind of everything in between. So when you were writing, you know, you mentioned you were looking for a way to introduce this character at you know different points in her life but were you also conscious of keeping the mood shifting frequently or is that something that uh happened while you were doing the editing process or i guess just kind of take us through what went into that decision well that's kind of how i tend to write my books i mean you can't sort of pigeonhole me i can write a lot (laughs) of humor um but then i can get very very sad very quickly <laughs> but I don't wallow in in grief for too long and then I don't go overboard as far as the comedic elements but that to me is life 
um, you know, you're crying in the morning, you're laughing in the afternoon. They, they two aren't mutually exclusive um, as we go through our, you know, day-to-day existence. So it's very easy for me to sort of switch from one way to the other. I don't do it uh, consciously. I mean, I'm not doing it like, I can only have so much for the book sad and so much <laughs> of the book happy. It's just, that's kind of the way, it, in the lives of the characters, that's, that's what happens. And that's what happens to all of us. And I think that's probably why readers relate um, to a lot of these experiences these uh, characters have. That's a really good way of looking at it. There's actually, um, there's a relatively famous speech here in the United States by uh, a former college basketball coach. His name's Jim Valvano. He created the Jimmy V Foundation. It's this cancer research foundation. And uh, in this speech he was giving when he received this Lifetime Achievement Award, when he had, he knew he had cancer and it was probably terminal, he said kind of exactly what you said. He, He says, if you, you know, find some time in a day to cry and some time in a day to laugh, and then some time to just kind of give the day some thought. That's a full day. So I think exactly what you said, it's a perfect way to look at a book is that's how you should live your life. And it's probably how you should, you know, have a book be written as well. <laughs> well, I mean, fortunately, I'm able to, like, I mean, I know there's some writers who, um, you know, there's some writers that specialize in just being, you know, totally funny and, and whatever. But I, I just, for some reason, I've always been able to, to, to mix the two of them, and much to my editor's distress, sometimes I go way overboard on killing off characters, and uh, she's always having a fit, but I, I'm just basically, my stories come from my own life experiences, and I've experienced loss, so for me to be able to write about it um, is quite cathartic, and... Um, and like I say, I've had readers over the years um, come to me and, and thank me for uh, being able to describe something um, or go through something that's quite sad, but then, but the, the gist of the story is a happy one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your editor ever gives you any problems, just tell them that, you know, George R. R. Martin has some of the most popular books in the world, and he is just constantly murdering his characters. So I think you're in, you're in good company. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to do. Something else that plays a really big part in Grace's life are animals. And I know that, you know, from your website, you mentioned you're an ardent animal lover as well. I yeah. I happen to be in that same boat. So um, hey. have animals always been a big part of your life? Oh, yes, yes. I mean, we, I was always dragging home strays. And uh, just, I mean, your life isn't complete unless you know, that you have some sort of little furry creature uh, sharing it with you. And it also, of course, and I'm the type of person, if I see a movie, it's almost like I don't care who dies as long as they don't touch the dog. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I'm always nervous whenever they introduce a dog. because I think, (laughs) oh my God, he's going to get it. And uh, it's just, anyway, so I can't, because I'm such an animal lover, I can't quite make of a fictional character who doesn't like animals, because mm-hmm. I don't know how that would, I don't know how you could be, I don't have that much imagination. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, um, you know, that's so funny, my uh, my wife and I actually, we just saw a play last week called The Curious Case, or The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, and the, yes, the, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, so, you know, the play and, and the book itself opens up with the murder of a dog, and you're like, oh my god, this is not... <laughs> They say they save it. They save it at the end by having a puppy come on stage. So they 
they fix it. But yeah, the whole time you're just like, man, I love this play, but I can't get that image out of my head. So I'm right there with you. Exactly. Oh, I, exactly. So I, I really always like Grace is a, is a, is a terrible, um, she can't stand the idea of um, hunters um, being around her property, mm-hmm. and, uh, which, which is, something that I deal with too. Of course, I live in rural Cape Breton and, uh, you know, we have a lot of hunters and things around here. And uh, anyway, it's just sort of, you know, a way of life, but it's not something I like to dwell on. Yeah. Um, Are there other parts of Grace's story as a character that you would consider kind of biographical, you know, in addition to the the geographical and then also the animal lover type of a part? Um, I think, well, mostly with the characters in the book, the, you know, her elderly aunts and the people in Cape Breton are people I live with and people I know. And I love to be able to write about them because that's what's so fascinating about this part of the world. Um, I know that there's a, there's a great new play, Come From Away in New York, talking about, of course, Newfoundland, mm-hmm. taking in all the passengers and gander. At Newfoundland, there's a lot of talk about it. Well, that's Cape Breton and Newfoundland were quite similar, and and these wonderful, down to earth, honest people are the people who live here. And I think, and of course, my books are very popular here because everybody likes to read about themselves. <laughs> but uh, those elderly aunts, I mean, I've had in my family, um, the ones that basically became uh, Grace's mother, mm-hmm. especially her aunt uh, Pearl. That Pearl, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so many books ahead, I can't figure out which character I'm talking about. But um, um, I've known these women, and mm-hmm. I like writing about them. And it just makes me feel a little nostalgic, um, you know, to, to be able to write about them on the page and be able to look back at them. I enjoy that a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned Cape Breton, where you live, and you know uh, several of your novels, as you just mentioned, are are based out of there. And so, in addition to you know the people, what is it about that location for you that makes it so special? And I'm, I'm guessing you're a big fan of kind of being out in the wilderness and things like that. Well, actually, I was born and raised in Montreal, <laughs> so it's sort of odd that I ended up here in this rural part of Cape Breton, but. Uh, my mom was from Cape Breton, and she used to bring us down here every summer, and I just loved it. I always knew that I would live here. Um, I do enjoy the rural living, and I, I just enjoy the people, because uh, the people in Cape Breton, or in the Maritimes in particular, are all storytellers. Mm-hmm. And I can remember, you know, sitting around the bonfire in the summer, you know, with our grandparents uh, telling us about stories of, you know, long ago. And, and I just remember always laughing, um, when I was here. We obviously do have a reputation, I know, of um, a lot of maritime literature is quite dire, and, uh, <laughs> because we do have a lot of, um, you know, going down the road, people having to leave for jobs, and uh, coal mining, and mm-hmm. alcohol, and, you know, the whole nine yards, but for me, Cape Breton has always been about fun and laughter, so when I, I have a lot of that in my book, and I've heard from readers how much they appreciate that, because for all the hard times that we have had, like high unemployment and our kids leaving, um, there's also this everybody, well, everybody I know, like, wants to come back here, mm-hmm. you know, even if they can't stay here, which is, uh, you know, what happens a lot of times in small maritime communities. Uh, they have to go away for work. Everyone wants to come home. And it's the, it's the landscape um, that is almost like a living being. Mm-hmm. You know, you miss, you miss the water, and you miss um, the, sort of the rolling hills, and 
I mean, this is a beautiful, beautiful part of the world. And um, I don't know if I would have been the writer that I am if I wasn't living here. I really... Which is, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. to say, I guess. I, I really like how you mentioned it as a, as a character almost. And I, I think, you know, when people live certain places for a certain amount of time, I think sometimes they take for granted everything that they have around them. And I just love the idea that, you know, not only have you clearly not taken it for granted, but, you know, you, you put your books in these locations it's, and, and you're really sharing it with the world. You know, you said that they're, you know, your books are very popular where you're from, but they're obviously really popular elsewhere as well. And I think that's a great way to kind of shine a light on uh, a place that people might not really know about. No, a lot of people don't know about it. And uh, I, too, when I go into schools, even to go to schools around here, they have a writers in school program. I, you know, I always try to, to make sure the kids know what a special place this is, that just because you come from a little town, you know, in this little part of the world doesn't mean that our stories aren't as important as everybody else's um, and that they should be proud of, you know, that there are children out there who have never seen the ocean or have never seen, I mean, the, the, the wildlife we have here is just unbelievable. People come from the world over to see it. Um, or, or even just the kids who've never seen stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, you have to tell these kids, like, you think that you're living in this little place and you can't wait to get out and see the whole world, but you have to appreciate what, and, and when you get older, you will, but um, just appreciate what we've got here. I mean, the world is becoming smaller and smaller every day. And um, we just have to be very, very grateful that we live in a place that, you know, when the, there's so many places in the world where such horrific and horrifying things are happening that you just can't take uh, living in a peaceful place like this for granted. Um, all right, so I'm curious. I, like I said, I'm, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and I, I went to college around here, and I played baseball, and I had uh, some, some teammates who were from really large cities like Boston and New York, and I'll never forget the first time we saw a pack of deer just kind of running by the bus that we were driving by, and I had a friend from Boston who lost his mind. He'd never seen deer before, and, and it, like, it was such a striking thing to me because where I grew up, where I you know, grew up, there's always been deer around me, and it was so... So funny to me, but I'm just curious. This has nothing to do with the book, but what kind of wildlife is around you that you think, you know, maybe some people like me wouldn't quite realize? I'm just kind of curious. Oh Being an animal lover, I'm God. curious what's around. Well, we've got we've got moose. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever seen a moose, they they are extraordinary animals. They're huge. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get too close to them. There's, of course, <laughs> there are deer and rabbits, and well, we've got a little. Um, we've got a bobcat that comes by uh, often. We have coyotes. Um, wolves, you know, just the bears, but they don't, you know, hopefully they're in the highlands. You don't want Uh to see a bear come down where we are. That would would mean that they're not having a very good winter, and, you know, they have to come closer uh, to civilization to to get something. But uh, pretty much it's, you know, just sort of usual, and eagle, and birds of all kinds, and we have eagles all over this place. You're tripping over them. Um, (laughs) You know, so it's quite... I just love it because even then when we do have snow, you know, you go outside the next day and you see all these prints and right. you know exactly who's been by. And uh, it's lovely. It really is lovely. Um, we're uh, very lucky. I'll admit to being a little bit jealous for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're an animal lover, yeah, you would be. You don't have to come up. You can, you can go around the Cabot Trail and they have 
trails there and you can see and we have wildlife parks and you can see actually there's a was a new uh, last uh, just last year um, a man found an abandoned um, very sick little baby cub mm-hmm. and uh, he brought to the wildlife park and uh, we <laughs> there was a there was a notice in the paper saying that if we couldn't if they didn't get enough money to raise an enclosure for this little bear that he would have to be put down mm-hmm. because he couldn't be put back um, anyway, so of course the whole of the Maritimes, as usual, you know, <laughs> opened up their hearts, and of course money came pouring in, and they just had little bears for his birthday party, oh. and uh, they had it on the news, and he's very sweet, <laughs> and uh, you know. So besides the fact that there are hunters here, there's also people that do, you know, do their best to preserve what wildlife we do have here. So I was gl- glad to make sure that Grace had her animals and her strays and everything else right. um, with her because well, I don't know I think that makes a person better I think you're a better person if your dog you know loves someone then they're pretty much safe if it doesn't then they're you know you just can't trust them. Oh, that's so true. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> so, fr- from a research pro- you know standpoint, uh, obviously it, it's clear that some of the things in Grace's life you're very familiar with, but there's some things that she goes through that are really difficult and um, and challenging. Are was were there some parts and aspects of her life that you had to do some research for? Uh, not so much. I don't. You know, like I. I sort of read up on cults, you know, a little bit and things like that. But, I mean, it's pretty much, you know, you can figure it out. It's just uh, power, you know, power over women, power over children. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't, like I say, because I hadn't experienced that myself, I didn't want to go, like, too... I never want to go too far. Sure. um, If I I don't know something intimately... um, but I can, you can certainly figure out what it would be like to have, uh, you know, someone have that kind of power over your parent, and then you not being able to do anything um, about it. And uh, so, and I, and two, and I wanted to, to show that she was, you know, she had survived that. But what kind of toll it sort of took on her, and obviously the rest of her family, when you find out that, you know. The rest of them were not as lucky as, as she was. Um, but, you know, all you have to do is read the paper, go on the t- computer. Do you know what I mean? Right. To hear the most horrid, fine stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, anyway, so I didn't want to get in too much into it, but uh, so that's why I sort of had it as a small part of the story. Like, I didn't want to... I wanted people to know she was safe when we first meet her, mm-hmm. and then you go back and you and you see the suffering that she did have as a teenager, especially going through foster care as well, which is just as horrific as the sort of situation that she had come out of, and that happens to you know so many uh, young people through no fault of their own, um, but she was obviously resilient, um, and uh, and having those two elderly aunts with her at that time in her life was extremely important she probably wouldn't have survived uh, without them and then so for uh, from a write, uh, from a writing process standpoint again I'm always curious talking to authors uh, for you what's your writing process like do you set uh, a word count every day for yourself or do you keep like a certain amount of time that you that you want to write um, I just I'm always fascinated about the yeah. process and craft of writing 
I never think of myself as, I don't know, I never think of myself as being a writer. I, <laughs> I do this more like a hobby. It's almost like I feel like I'm more like a storyteller kind of thing. I only started writing when I was 50. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I waited until my kids were pretty much gone and um, never really wrote very much at all. Um, and really, when I did start writing my first book, it was mostly just for myself. So when I, with an absolutely no intention of ever getting published, none whatsoever. So all of these stories I've only just written ever for myself. And for me, it's never amount of like, you know, I have to write so much during the day or I have to, when it happens, it happens. When mm -hmm. I get, suddenly I get a story and I get in the zone, I, uh, my first book, it took me two months straight through 12-hour uh, days. It was a terrible way to write, mm -hmm. and it's kind of been the way that I've done it. I do it, it's almost like I, I write the book in my head before I even start, and I really only ever have one draft, mm -hmm. and, when I, and when I start it, I just go from <laughs> beginning to end, and it's, a, like I say, it's a crazy way of doing it, and then I can go for, like, I haven't written anything for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, so I wish I had, you know, sometimes I think, wow, I should have the discipline to, you know, maybe put down, like I, because I am sort of thinking, why aren't I writing anything? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, but I've, I've learned in the last decade, um, cause I, my, my first book was published in 2005. So I've had nine books, you know, so I've pretty had, I've had a lot of books. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe I think I'm just due for a little break. <laughs> but, uh, I, no, it's never, it's all very, um. It's all very just, there's nothing structured about it. Uh -huh. It's just all very natural. If I decide to write, I'm going to write. If I decide I'm not, I don't. I love the idea of you just flat out saying, yeah, it's a crazy way to write, but it works for me. That that's I love that. That's so fun. To me, that's a, the perfect way to look at it. And honestly, the more authors that we talk with, no one really has the same structure no. of it at all anyway. No, I mean, there's, and my God, because I know my sister, she's, and she likes, you know, writing as well, but she does like 25 drafts, <laughs> and I'm thinking, what? <laughs> what, <are> you nuts? <laughs> but for her, she needs to have everything laid out uh -huh. beforehand. Now, me, I I know with my book, Kin, um, one of my favorite books, uh, I had three characters going in, uh, David, Anna, and Lila, and about 20 pages in, this character came out from behind a tree, Ewan, and I knew he was going to be in the story. Um, and he became one of my favorite characters, and I can't imagine the whole story without him. But I had started, and he wasn't even in the picture. So for me, I never really know exactly what's going to happen, because people show up. Like, if you know, if you have it, if I find it, if I had it all written out structurally, like, this is what I'm going to do... Mm -hmm then I would never have the opportunity for these people to walk into the story. Or I find you have to write enough to get to know the actual characters. They sort of develop as you go along. Almost like a Polaroid picture, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like when the first few seconds you can't see anything, and then it takes like a minute for the person to come into focus. Well, that's what I have to do when I'm writing. Uh, they slowly sort of come alive mm -hmm. uh, to me, and then towards the end of the book, then they're fully realized. But I know in my first book, the heroine, Lexi, did not do what I wanted her to do. And <laughs> 
I had an argument with her on my way to Walmart. <laughs> I was in the car and I was fighting with this character saying, but you have to. And she said, no. And I said, well, then I have to write the whole stupid book again. <laughs> and I did. I had to go back and rewrite it. And the thing was, she was right. Oh, man. And the book wouldn't have been anywhere nearly as good as it was if I had done what I had originally thought I was going to do. Well, I have to tell you, you're in good company because we uh, we got to sit down with Lee Child and he writes, writes all the Jack Reacher novels and he told us uh, he purposely tries to write himself into a corner until he cannot think of a way to get his character out of that corner. Then he takes a break, thinks about how it could possibly resolve itself and then only after taking a break for a while is he able to kind of come up with, you know, he's he's thought out and fully fleshed out the issue that he created for himself he's come up with a solution. So you're in, you're in good company. <laughs> wow. Yes, I would say so. <laughs> um, I didn't realize that sitting here in my little study in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. See you, you and Lee child, you're right in the same boat. <laughs> um, so something else that, uh, without fail, every author has told us is that one of the best, the biggest keys to being a good writer is spending a lot of time reading other books. So for you, what, are the types of books that you like to read? Well, I've always loved um, British writers, mm-hmm. um, and I've always loved. Um, well, I was called once called Kate Breton's Maeve Binchy um, <laughs> because I like to write about family, mm-hmm. and I like to write about ordinary moments um, because most of your life is made up of ordinary moments. You know, there's mm-hmm. very few of us that have you know these spectacular things that happen to us. You might be able to list maybe on one hand how many super fantastic things have ever happened to you, but most of the minutes of your life are made up of just ordinary things. And that's what I love to explore, um, families and characters and uh, things like that. Um, So I like to read things that are, you know, family-based. And, like, I'm not as much of my husband as a murder mystery type of guy. Mm -hmm. And... uh, you know, I, I don't mind that, but I like eclectic things, you know, different things. And I also love, uh, I love children's books. I collect children's books and I love reading them because my first memories are of being, a, this is why it was so fun to have this happen to me because the library is really important to me. It was one of my first memories being at a library uh, with books. So this is just huge for mm-hmm. me that, uh, you know, one of my books was picked for this and I'm really I'm really thrilled, you know, about it. Um, my the last book I read was um, actually something by Rod Dahl. Which <laughs> so one? There you go. Which one was it? <laughs> oh, it was Matilda again. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love reading her, and also, of course, um, then when Alice Munro uh, won the Nobel Prize, mm-hmm. uh, I started going back and reading a lot of her things too, because what I loved about it was that she wrote books about rural women. Mm-hmm. You know, all of her stories are about, you know, people who lived in the kind of uh, environment I live in, in, in Canada, small town, um, small town women. And then she won a Nobel Prize for it. Not that I ever plan on doing that, <laughs> but but just, I just love the fact that that's what she did, and uh, she was recognized for it, and rightly so. Uh, so you you actually just mentioned this, and you mentioned on your website that you like to collect children's books. So do you have some like most prized possessions that you are truly just appreciative of owning? I'm I'm also a huge fan of children's books, so I'm just curious. 
well, I just, all the books I remember growing up and, and you know, Bedtime for Francis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have the tall book of Mother Goose. <clears throat> and I, I bought that. I remember that book as a little girl. Okay, so it's, it's just tall and very narrow. Uh-huh. And I actually looked it up on, I couldn't believe it. It was my daughter that suggested, well, why don't you look it up on you know, Google or and Amazon, you know, you can buy things like that now, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and I looked, and there they were, and I mean, I couldn't believe it. So it was like $150, which, uh-huh. you know, was, and I thought, yes, I have to have that book. <laughs> so I surround myself with these books that I remember when I was a kid. Uh, that's what's in my study, the um, junior classics. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, my father uh, buying that for my sister and I. It was like a little encyclopedia set. Um, she and I shared it, so I have five volumes, and she has five to ten. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, just silly, silly things that I just, I just love books. I just love being around them. I love the way they smell. I love the way they feel. Uh-huh. And the fact that I'm actually writing them is something that I really don't, I really should think of more. I really, <laughs> if I really thought about it, I would, I would think, wow, you know, this is sort of like a dream come true. I don't remember, although people who remember me as a kid always said I said I would write a book someday. I don't remember saying that, but obviously it must have been, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. lurking in the back of my mind. But no, I don't have any first editions or anything. Right. But, but I love, you know, Jane Austen, I love Bronte sisters, you know, on and on and on, uh-huh. the usual. Oh, well, To Kill a Mockingbird, you know, everybody has that one. Yes. It's just, you know, just everything. Mm-hmm. I love to read any, anything. Well, I have to tell you, I we're not so different. My wife and I have several, several copies of Alice in Wonderland. We but we both love Alice in Wonderland, um, okay. and we uh, I think we're between old copies and new copies and the annotated versions. I think we're up to like eight or nine copies of just that one book. <laughs> so we're running out of room in our in our small library we have in our house. Oh, but isn't it wonderful, though, when you, you get, I don't know, just to surround yourself with things that you just love? Because when I look at these books, I think of my mother, mm-hmm. you know, and I think about going to the library. She was a kindergarten teacher, so, you know, books were just always around me. So I feel safe when I'm, you know, in my room here with all my old books. Um, do you remember your first or an early memory of going to the library with your mother? Oh yes! Oh gosh, yes! It was in Montreal. It was in Westmount, and uh, and the and the library itself. It looks to me, it looked like a castle because it had a turret. <laughs> it was made of stone, uh-huh. and it was like this old, old building, and and it's still there. I, I and uh, I, we were in Montreal uh, just in September, just visiting all the old haunts, and there it was. And I, I just oh I don't know. It just I got chills just. Um, you know, looking at it, mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, what it was like to, like I said, I used to, mom would take us and we would, you know, pick out our books and then, you know, run home with them. And and it was just an, an exciting, that's really one of my first memories, mm-hmm. you know, reading a book. And and uh, so anyway, yeah, so that's... very lucky that I got to, this is something that I've decided to do yeah. um, in this latter part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um so towards the end of our, our podcast, we always like to ask nine, we call them rapid fire questions, but they never end up oh. being that way. Um, okay. We call them the nerd nine just because we like alliteration. Um, okay. I think you may have answered the first one just a few minutes ago, but what's the last book you finished? Uh, Matilda. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite place to read? Uh, yes, my study. 
Do you have a guilty pleasure? Like mine is I post way too many pictures of my puppies on social media. <laughs> um, I love going to the movies by myself. Nice. Uh, what's one place you'd like to travel that you have not yet been to? Um, I always wanted to go to Norway. Ooh, yeah. I don't know I, why. Don't ask me. I think it was the cute guy that used to sit behind me in grade seven. <laughs> I, I actually... <laughs> he was Norwegian. <laughs> no, we, uh, my wife and I have Scandinavia on our short list of places we want to travel, so I can, I can appreciate that. Um, do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate? Favorite holiday is um, Christmas. Are you a coffee person or a tea person? Um, actually, coffee. Cats or dogs? Oh God! <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> I can't. So, oh, I'll just, I'll just say cats because I have two cats right now. But, that, but we lost our dog. It's, Oh, no, then I always feel guilty. Don't ask me that. I know. So the reason I I do it is I have a co-host who wasn't able to join me today. Her name is Jill. I own two dogs. She owns multiple cats. So it's kind of like our eternal battle between each other. So every time an author says one or the other, we, you know, we'll kind of do a little silent fist bump to ourselves. That's the only reason we do it is because we're we're on an eternal battle here. But anyway, (laughs) um, do do you have a favorite food? Favorite food? God, all favorite food. Um, <laughs> I would say, uh, oh my gosh, nobody's ever asked me that before. I don't know. I'd love a, I'd love a good scone. There you go. Do you know what that is? Uh, like, a, like a tea, tea biscuit. Oh yeah, uh, we, 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 yeah, like we, I think we call them scones. Would be kind of the same thing. Scones, scones, yeah. yeah. Um, and then okay. the last, the last one. If you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? My mother. That's a very good yeah. answer. Uh, my last question for you. What do you hope readers take away from reading Amazing Grace during the Together We Read program? That it doesn't matter how life starts out. Um, you can create your own family. Um the people that you collect throughout your life it, it doesn't they don't have to be blood um, that by the, by the end of your life you'll have gathered the family that you should have and uh, and life is okay life you'll you'll be okay in the end that's a really really good answer Leslie I know that I took you away from going to shovel a bunch of snow so I will oh, let you get yeah, back to doing weird. that <laughs> can't I talk to you for the next six hours <laughs> I, I can't go in. I think that's a wonderful idea. Leslie, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate talking to you. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S., Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit.